Bit of a David Chandler fest this week, Sue Williams. Yes, well, it's been two years since he was appointed, so I sat down and had a chat with him about his term in office and what he's achieved or what he's not achieved, really. Okay, well, we'll be talking about that later. We'll be talking about maybe the big insurers coming back in, and we'll be talking about a thing I did about the differences between strata law in Queensland and New South Wales, and what's happening with the Channel 9 studios up in Chatswood. In Sydney. That's a lot to get in, so we'd better get on with it. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams. I write about property for Domain. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Okay, so you did a big, big feature for Domain Magazine interview with David Chandler, and and we'll get into that later. But part of it was a thing about the big insurers coming back in to insure buildings. What's the story there? I spoke to the minister, Kevin Anderson, and he was saying, basically, David Chandler's done such a good job. He's really helping restore a lot of confidence back into the the new apartments industry. And also, because he's had such wide-ranging powers, he, you know, he's had the, the opportunity to really shut down buildings that aren't going well and kind of make sure everything's going to be much better in future. And as well, he's introduced that tool to uh, measure risk in buildings as well, mm. you know, which developers will sign up to. So we can see their DNA, a building's DNA. Yeah. So he thinks there's so much confidence back now in the apartments industry that Insurers are now queuing up to come back to insure apartment buildings over three stories high. And as you know, we've had no home warranty insurance on those buildings for 18 years now, Mm. which is incredible. I mean, at the moment, the way things work is if you have defects in your building, major defects within the first six years, I think, then you only get the insurance provided by the government if the developer has gone bust or died. Otherwise, you have to pursue them through the courts. So bringing the insurers back in, that will that mean that you just go to whoever it is, CHU or whoever, and say, hey, we've got defects in the building that need fixed. Will you pay for it? I think so. And then I think it will be up to the insurer to pursue the developer. There's a bit of an anomaly here where you're thinking, if buildings are going to be that much better built, do we really need the insurance? <laughs> and, you know, is it just a way of, of insurance companies making a bit more money? And I'm sure they're quite happy to make money, but they obviously want to do it not in a field where the risk is so high. Because as we know, with self-certification and all the other dodges that have gone on, that's why the insurers pulled out in New South Wales and the rest of Australia, because the buildings just couldn't be trusted. So if you've got a more trustworthy building, what do you think is the scenario and where having that insurance would be necessary? Well, I think it's always a a fantastic backstop insurance because you never quite know. Even if the builder or the developer has done a pretty good job, you just never quite know what's going to happen. There there might be one subby who's kind of made a mistake somewhere along the way and nobody's picked it up. Um, So this will give people real peace of mind. 
Yeah. And it will just mean that we'll all be much happier about buying apartments, new apartments off the plan again. Because I think many people in, have been incredibly nervous about it because of mm. Mascot Tower, because of um, the Opal Tower. Yep. Um, so well, and not just that, but I mean, it's all these stories and all Grenfell over. Grenfell Tower. In, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, all these stories that appear every other day, or they used to, about apartment blocks, you know, that were just falling apart and the developer had gone off um, and changed the, the name of their company or whatever. Because that was kind of funny as well. David Chandler this week did another interview in which he talked about ASIC and, and said that they aren't doing enough about um, builders and developers who are phoenixing. Yeah. And he got into a little bit of trouble because he said they should put on their man pants. Right, which, <laughs> which is I, funny. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind think of, people accused him of being sexist, but I think that was a very funny comment. Well, what, the person pants? You well, know? that's right. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same ring, does I it? I mean, it does kind of indicate that, David Chandler is closer to our generation than maybe the the Me Too generation, but it's funny and and but he's right, you know. Mm. What he's basically saying is grow up here. I mean, they're all sexist these days. <laughs> Man up, whatever. Mm. Show a bit of spine, I suppose, would Toughen be neutral. Up. Yeah, yeah. They're not quite as colourful though, are no, they? No, they're really? not. But put on their man pants. Well, it certainly got some attention. <laughs> But, you know, to get back to the insurance thing, I guess it's a case of things like there are buildings in New South Wales that have uh, combustible cladding, as they now call it, which apparently was approved at the time it was installed, and it was only later found to be. um, Mm. So that's a case where, in the absence of a developer to take to court over it, or is the developer saying, well, I'm not liable because the building standard says it was okay, then the insurer could step in and say, all right, well, we'll pick up the tab for this. Yeah. Or if somewhere like, and this would not apply to mascot towers, but somewhere like that where there's a possibility that an external force had some bearing on the ability of the building to keep standing, um, the, mm. the insurer. And this is a very rare event. But the problem has been that the incidents weren't that rare Mm. it was almost like it was endemic you buy a new apartment block you've got a 50 50 chance there's going to be serious defects in it Mm. so that's where i guess that's where the insurance comes in it'd be interesting to see if it actually happens yeah insurers tend to be very cautious people Mm. and they're not going to jump in there until they feel pretty sure that their money is not going to be wasted yeah, sure. But Kevin Anderson, I think, was, was saying how he's putting together a panel now, an expert panel, to examine the whole um, issue because they're offering decennial liability insurance. What does that mean? Ten years. Right. would have been easier if they just said ten years, wouldn't yeah. it, really? But, um, so that's what they're talking about offering. And so he's getting together a, a panel, and he said they seem to be really keen, you know, right. which is which is gratifying for him because – you know, he's part of the whole system, which is... Well, it's self-perpetuating, isn't it? They, if, if you can get insurance for buildings, it makes people more confident about buying them, which means that it generates, you know, the, the right the kind economy. of building being built mm. and fewer crap buildings going up and the dodgy developers will be squeezed out. So, mm. But I, what it took was a circuit breaker mm. and that circuit breaker turns out to be David Chandler. Yep. As someone called him, the absolute disruptor. So you had a long chat with him and did a 
big interview with him in the Domain magazine. And uh, we'll hear David in his own words after this. And we're back. Sue, you spoke to David Chandler at great length. And we have a few clips of him in that interview. Uh, what were the main things that came out of that for you? I think, first of all, he was saying that he really wants to try and change the culture of the construction industry in New South Wales. So he wants to lead by example. He wants to praise the good developers and he wants to get rid of the bad developers. So I think this first clip is of him talking about how he wants to kind of persuade people to do the good thing. To do the right right thing. thing. Yeah, and that's his big hope for the future is getting people to want to do the right thing. This is David Chandler. I've tried to be what I call the mentor rather than the BPOP. I don't want my time as building commissioner to be regarded as one of fear. I, I would think that those people that are engaging and, and starting to transform are saying it has been a bit of an epiphany for us and we are we are taking it all on board. And So I think those people are writing to me and, um, and saying that they do understand that they've got a transform and a good example of that would be to talk to Chris Abu at uh, Eastern Pacific, uh, a, a young Lebanese building company where their first approach to me was they just rang up and said, could we come and see you, Commissioner, and uh, we'd like you to come and have a look at one of our jobs. So don't select the job based on your risk criteria, just come out and come at our invitation and have a look at it and tell us what you think. Well, that's interesting that d- uh, developers came to him and said, look, can you come and have a look at her project? Because we think we're doing the right thing. That's right. And I talked to Chris Abu as well, the developer who asked him, invited him over, and he said his heart was in his throat all the time that David Chandler was there. But um, he said it was it was fantastic. He's really keen on doing the right thing, and he said there's no point in us being in the building industry if we're doing stuff wrong. He wants to know and he wants to learn and he wants to make sure that he's right on the mark. And I... That's a commendable attitude, really. Mm. And one of the other things that came out of your interview was a big change at fair trading. I mean, as I have complained many, many times over many, many years, people go to fair trading hoping that they're going to get some assistance, they're going to get advice, and often come away feeling very disappointed. You know, basically they're told, well, this is what the law says. So interpret that. And whereas people are going, I've got this problem and should I go to NCAT and what are my chances of success? And fair trading is saying, has, has in the past said, well, here's what the law says. You can work it out for yourself. That's all changing now. How, how's that changing? Sue? That's right. Because they did a survey and they found so many buildings, so many new buildings had defects. And they kind of looked into it and found that only 19% of those were reporting them, reporting them to the Office of Fair Trading. Right. So there was, you know, 80, 81% who That's, weren't, were saying yeah. nothing. And he said, we've kind of assumed that the others are either hiding their defects because they don't want prospective buyers to find out about the defects, which is unlawful because you've got, you've got an obligation to inform them and you've yeah. got an obligation as an owner's corporation to fix the common property or people are negotiating themselves with developers, which is never very successful, 
or they're hiring lawyers. Right. Huge At great costs. expense. Yes. And, and and the proceedings can go on for years and years and years. And no guarantee of success. That's right. So, so let's let's hear what David had to say about that himself. So we've we've now started to go back and talk to owners corporations and say to them, Well, why why aren't you reporting these things to the Office of Fair Trading? And there's three types of answers. The first one is that we don't think the Office of Fair Trading really has a, a satisfactory basis for us to engage and report. The process on the website, the portal, it's clumsy and it almost wears you out before you get there. And I don't have to take any um, bullets for that. I, uh, my job is to transform the regulator. So I'm, I'm not daily responsible for the regulator's performance. So, and mm. that's why the minister wanted it, Minister Anderson wanted it so that I could actually not have to be in the line and therefore take all the flack every day, but to go and say, what are the things that aren't working and how are we going to fix them? One of the things that's happened in the last three or four months is that we've built a new entry point for owners corporations to report serious defects in the key build, building in the common property. Okay. And we've set up a desk singularly there to triage those types of complaints. Now, the balance that you've got to run is uh, we've tried to make that knowledge available to strata managers because the condition of being able to report one of those items is that you have to be the authorised member representative of the owner's corporation. You can't just be a disgruntled lot owner because otherwise, if we opened up the accessibility of that to everybody, you would run into a large number of people who are just simply unhappy with the owner's sure. corporation executive. Yeah. And there's a lot of that tension out there. Yeah, that's interesting that it's it's got to come from an owner's corporation or a strata manager. It can't just be your Joe Bloggs in the building saying, hey, I've noticed these cracks in the floor. I want fair trading to come in and shut the building down or yeah. whatever. No, you can understand that really. So it's got to come from a, a member of the strata committee or from the strata manager, somebody who's you know, authorised to speak on behalf of the owners' corporation. You can understand that because – you know, there's so much work out there. If everybody took their grudges to him, it would be kind of quite hard to organise. Yeah, they'd soon use up their budget. There'd be mm. a big queue outside mm. the fair trading offices. <laughs> and on the developer side, David Chandler still seems to be wanting to do more as well. I mean, I think he's quite gratified that a lot of um, certifiers have now closed up shop. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And have quit the industry. And a lot of developers have also quit the industry. Obviously, the the ones who are nervous about being found out about what they're doing. So on the developer side, he's now getting ready to name and shame everybody involved with bad buildings. All right. So before he would say, you know, I went to a building the other day and I discovered that, you know, it had been shored up underneath yeah. In a really faulty way because the structure had been done badly. Yeah. But now he's actually saying, no, I'm, I'm going to name everybody. I, I did a, a, a little video and I posted that a couple of weeks back or maybe a month back. And um, what, what's fascinating about it, Sue, is that uh, as of yesterday, it's had 176,000 views this um Wow. So you think that when you do a post like that, that everybody starts to get the message. And clearly there's a lot that are not because I, I did it in a way where I didn't call out the developer. I just simply called out the actual item, the exhibit. Yeah. And so if you look at all the posts that occur after that, it's everybody saying, oh, that's terrible. Oh, my goodness, you know, the builder should be kicked in the ass. And, oh, what was the engineer doing? And 
what the fire doing, etc. So I end up with all the armchair commentators coming, commentating on the exhibit and the perpetrator really stays below the radar. What I have elected to do is to use the project that I went to yesterday as the as the first exhibit where I'm going to call out all the players. So name them all. Name the developer, the builders. Developer, the builder, the architect, the engineer, the certifier and others. So the developer, the builders, the architect, the engineer, the certifiers, mm. they're all on notice. Yep. <laughs> I wonder if there are any of them are going, oh, God, I hope he doesn't find out this building. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of that's the, where the professional standards come in, is where the professionals involved turn around to ultimately the developer and say, you're asking me to sign off on something that I know is is not good. And that's my reputation that's going to be on the line as well as yours. So find somebody else to do yeah. it. Because you think architects, you know, they might design a really fantastic building, everything might be great. And um, they can see the developer maybe shortchanging every point of the way. Yeah. And rather than just go along with it because they want their name attached to the building, they're going to have to start speaking up and moving away from those buildings probably. Well, that happened in the building in which we sit right now. They, That's right. For the original developer sold the development, the new developer pulled $5 million out of the development, just put that in their pocket, started cutting back on all the standards. And when the architect complained and said, this is not what we designed, they said, well, you're fired. That's right. Off you go. Yeah. We'll get... We don't need you anymore. We've got your drawings. And that was how it worked. So hopefully that's another thing that will change. Mm. I, I do recall David Chandler saying a couple of weeks ago that he was, they were looking at the areas where there was the same architects, the same engineers and the same builders who were building the crap buildings. So now they were looking for buildings that had those names attached Mm. and really zeroing in on them, putting them under the microscope and saying, well, what are you doing now? Yeah. And again, that can only help. Because they found that the shoddy developers were all going after the same shoddy certifiers. Yeah, understandably. <laughs> a little cabal of evil, really. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a good run from you, and we'll run that feature in the Flat Chat website this week. And we've already got the one about the insurance. insurance. Mm. Okay. Um, that's already up. So there's plenty of reading there when you finish listening to this. But don't go away because last week I hosted, refereed a debate between New South Wales lawyers and Queensland lawyers about the differences between the laws and which was better. And uh, one of the things I put to them at the end of the debate was a question of which of each other's laws they wish they had in their state. And it was quite interesting to hear what they said. We'll talk about that after this. So what was the laws that they wanted? Right. Well, it was interesting. One of the things we kind of danced around, I have to say, was the pre-sale of management rights. Oh, okay. The Queensland lawyers are really sensitive about that partly because they read some of the stuff I've written about it where I describe it as legalised corruption. And they kind of, it's part of their legal system. And it's one of these things, I think, anything you walk past is what you endorse. So mm. if they're not fighting it, and neither of these guys are involved in fighting it, as far as I know, 
Now, one of them was a former commissioner of body corporate law in Queensland. They're not fighting it, which kind of means they endorse it. And even if they, in their heart of hearts, know that it's not a good thing, they kind of have to implicitly support it. But So we kind of danced around that a bit. But, interesting, the two things that the New South Wales lawyer was keen on that Queensland has that we don't have, they have a commissioner for body corporate. Wow. Which okay. we don't. No, we're a long way from that. And that's a, and that office, that office of the commissioner, actually helps people who've got problems in their strata schemes, apart from pre-sale of management rights. <laughs> so... So that's that's one thing, enviously looking north. And the other one is towing. You can tow oh. illegally parked cars in Queensland. You cannot do that in, well, in New South Wales. Well, well, that would be something that would be great to introduce here. Oh, it costs. <laughs> I can just imagine. I can just imagine the pitched battles and punch it up. Yeah, I think, it, I think under it the right circumstances. It would be an circumstance, amazing deterrent, I think. Yeah for people parking in apartment buildings if they know they run the risk of being towed. Well, I did mention that building we know where they put up signs saying illegally parked cars will be wheel clamped, which is illegal. Um, But the committee members take it in turns to park their cars in a prominent position with a wheel clamp on it, (laughs) just (laughs) underneath the sign, so that people go, oh, my God, they they do do it here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a much more effective thing than... A bylaw reminder, I think. I don't know, but it's a hassle, isn't it, for, to actually put their cars there all the time and wheel clamp them, I would imagine. I also, when I was thinking about this debate, I started looking at other state laws um, and found a couple of things that really surprised me. Somebody was had written to me uh, in the Flat Chat Forum saying, I have been told that I'm not invited to our committee meetings. And, you know, it, I used to live in New South Wales and you could go along to committee meetings, but you weren't entitled to speak unless the committee voted. So I checked out in Victoria. There's no right to attend committee meetings in Victoria. Wow. You, you've got a right to attend general meetings. Mm, of course. Committee meetings, they can invite you or not. So they're effectively in camera, really. Yeah. Mm. So uh, that was something that surprised me. I thought yeah. that was a bit of a an oversight, but maybe kind of an it's oddity, isn't it? Really solves a lot from not as odd as Tasmania, because <gasps> somebody wrote to me and said I can't find a definition of a special resolution in Tasmanian strata law because they wanted a bylaw pass, or whatever. So again, I did a bit of investigation. There is no such thing as a special resolution in Tasmania. Not that I could find. There's a unanimous resolution and there is a a general simple majority. Mm. And here's the thing. Unless the general meeting passes a motion to prevent specific things from being decided by committee, a committee in Tasmania can decide anything that doesn't require a unanimous resolution, including passing bylaws. Wow. So the t- committee in Tasmania can pass bylaws. That'd be really interesting to see a piece about all these different anomalies, or maybe you're going to write a column about it, perhaps. <laughs> maybe I am. <laughs> that sounds like I was just wondering, what am I going to write about this week? Uh, I was thinking of writing about timber floors, but maybe I can do that another time mm. again. And another piece of news that's come to our attention this week is the redevelopment of the Channel 9 site in Chatswood. We'll talk about that after this. 
And we are back. So the bulldozers have moved into the old Channel 9 studios in Chatswood, I believe. Yep, they have. Um, the Sydney Channel 9 headquarters is now no more, and it's going to be the site of a, a massive new master-planned housing estate. Um, it's being built by Mervac, being developed by Mervac. And it's kind of interesting because people probably know that Brian Henderson, the, the former Channel 9 much-loved newsreader, died the other week, sadly. Yeah. And um, we've had personal experience with him, haven't we? I've, yes. I did a, a few stories with him and we went out to dinner one, one night and mm-hmm. I did an interview over dinner. And um, I think quite a lot of alcohol was consumed. <laughs> <laughs> and the intro for the story was about kind of like a shocking story about Brian Henderson that wasn't really true at yeah, all. Yeah, you said it was kind of an interesting he did three lines of cocaine and drank half a bottle of whiskey before he did any news broadcasts. That's right. And so it was kind of a joke intro, but I phoned him up beforehand and said, look, are you okay with this? And he came back and said, yes, I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he had a fantastic sense of humour, even though – you know, his his on-air persona was obviously quite um, straight-laced, yeah. although very genial at the same time. But um lovely man, so he, he'll be he'll Did you be tell missed. me the other day that he's they're naming a park after him? Yes, so they're calling the main park at the development. The development's called Nine, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the main park is called Henderson Park. So they've got permission from his family to call it Henderson Park, which See, is lovely. I misread, I misheard what you said when you were telling me this, and I thought you told me they were burying Brian Henderson's heart at the new Channel 9 development. Well, it's not a Channel 9 development. It's it's a Mervac development. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we've all been to that there. We've all kind of appeared on some of their shows at various times and things. And um, I've been to the props and costume department. That was always an amazing place. And that's now become the display suite. All right. So anyone can visit it now. You know, go and have a look and have a look at the development. And also, do you remember one of the real landmarks of the North Shore was always the Channel 9? The dish. No, the big transmission tower. Oh, the, t- the transmission tower. tower, right. And so they've taken a long time to dismantle that, but they've, yeah. they've kind of kept it. And they're using parts of that now to build the, a children's playground at the right. development. So they're, they're going to be using parts of that steel to repurpose it in that way. Presumably not nice. quite so high. No. <laughs> the, sliver, the slippery dip, or whatever you call it, won't, won't be 300 metres high. No. So it's kind of, kind of nice. And I think they're, they're talking about possibly naming some streets on the development after, you know, certain probably Channel 9 personalities, you know, the Carrie Ann Kennelly. Oh, well, what would you be? Avenue. Avenue. Who knows? Um, the Graham Kennedy. Yeah, Graham Kennedy. Cul-de-sac. See, they all start with K. Graham, mm. the Kennedy cul-de-sac. Yes. Bray Martin Muse. Right. Yeah, there are all sorts of possibilities. There really. are. I think none of them are going to happen. <laughs> I can tell you that right Probably now. Probably not. <laughs> uh, okay. Ray Martin Road. There you go. Oh, yeah. Got yeah. a bit of a ring to it. All right. Well, that's, that's interesting. Oh, gosh. We got through a lot today. Really interesting to hear David Chandler speaking in his own words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if he isn't talking about man pants. <laughs> well... <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. And uh, Sue, thank you for uh, coming along and bringing that great interview with David Chandler with you. Fantastic. Thanks, Jimmy. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Rap Podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flat-chat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.